Are you a business owner or entrepreneur who's had great success in the business world? And now you want to launch a speaking career to share your message with the world. If that's you, then listen up. 25-year speaking industry veteran Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. To pick up your copy, go to breadridgeway.com forward slash freebie. Welcome to the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway, where you'll learn the keys to building a profitable speaking business from speaking industry pros. Each week, we interview a great guest who will share his or her speaking journey, identify what their keys to success have been, and highlight some critical mistakes they've made along the way that you'll want to avoid. Be sure to visit our website at spotlightonspeaking.com. And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet this week's guest. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway. I'm your host, and I'm excited to have as my guest today, Scott Mason. Scott's a recovering attorney and former C-suite exec. He's the master of the mythic, and he calls himself the myth slayer. He's a speaker and coach who helps unhappy lawyers obliterate the myths keeping them stagnant so they can ignite their inner charisma, speak with the power of a thunder god, and live a life that is epic. He sits on the board of the New York City National Speakers Association and in April 2024 will present at TEDx Apex on how Greek myths can help you become a charismatic Olympian. Welcome, Scott Mason, to the Spotlight on Speaking Show. Thank you. I am so happy to be here, Brett. All right, I'm going to dive right in with a nice question, Scott. So when you talk about mythology and, and things like that, charisma, those are what many people would consider to be a, a woo topic. So how how does woo fit in with a guy? Because you don't see a lot of guys in the woo space, so to speak. <laughs> Absolutely. And before we before I answer that question directly, let me step back a little bit and explain what myths truly are. And I think that that's how the question ultimately can be answered in a way that's concrete. Sure. Myths are stories that define a culture and the inhabitants within it. They represent all of the hopes, the fears, the aspirations, the values, and the desires of that particular culture. They unite that culture into the personality of that culture. But there are also mere externalizations of all of those qualities as carried forth by the individuals within that culture. So really what a myth is, is an expression of everything that is within you. These myths have been told for thousands upon thousands of years because they can transform lives. They may seem like they're woo, but they're actual, actually powerful and profound allegories related to the human condition and the transformative power that we all have inside. And so if you're able to break down the underlying allegories of the myth, you're able to devise, understand, and implement a process for making the transformation that the myth itself is an allegory for. Oh, that's pretty deep stuff, man. So how did you even get in this space in the first place? Because there's a big step from being a C-suite executive to being a speaker 
talking on the topic that you speak about. You know, when I was a C-suite executive, and especially during my years practicing as a lawyer, there was a long period in which I felt increasingly uh, stagnant, separated from myself, miserable and unhappy. But the one thing that I loved all along that both C-suite executives and lawyers get to do is talk and speak. I knew I had that gift. Eventually, when I left that world behind and went into the coaching and professional development world and realized I wanted and needed to be a speaker then, it was incumbent upon me to look through every last experience that I had had in my life and everything that I felt true passion about and connect that with this gift I'd been given as well as the practical skill of speaking and running an organization. Once they came together, the path forward was actually quite obvious. So in my mind, Scott, there are three, let's call primary types of speakers. One is yes. what I call the platform seller, the person who gets up, makes a presentation and offers some type of continued education or coaching at the end. The second is the keynote speaker that everybody's familiar with, paid a fee to go in and talk to an association or some group. And the third is the person who I think everybody should be at the least, and that's just a business builder speaker, speaking to local groups, sharing content, sharing knowledge, and then hopefully when they have a need for whatever that person's area of expertise is, they'll reach out to them for that particular service. So which of those three arenas have you played in and which do you prefer? So I think you are dead on. It goes without saying that the third of those three is something everyone needs to have as a baseline. And when it comes to being out on a platform and being able to deliver my message and then ultimately sell my services, that goes without saying too. Uh, pay for speaking. I have opportunities like that. It is increasingly moving into focus as my own journey moves along. But I will say this. One of the gifts of the particular approach that I'm taking, and this is something that goes into the speaking business itself, is that the metaphor that I'm using, the differentiator I have, which as you've mentioned right up front, Greek myths, that's not something that's necessarily easy for people to wrap their minds around. So in my case, as I speak about it more and more, refine my message and people hear it, there is very much an evolutionary process. And that's one of the exciting and beautiful things about speaking, particularly when you are out there doing something that's truly unique. And that's what my goal is. So how do people find you now? What's worked best for you, Scott, in terms of finding speaking engagements for your unique message? A couple of, uh, a couple of methods. First of all, good old fashioned hustling being out there, being a good networker, providing opportunities to other people. It's amazing the traction you can get if you're offering other speakers opportunities to speak. That sense of obligation will bring things your way. Uh, number two, not having ego about where I am speaking. Uh, if there is an opportunity, putting that out there, People might say no, people might say yes, but everywhere I can speak is an opportunity to get my message out there for people to hear, benefit. Finally, LinkedIn, powerful platform, in no small part because of the fact that it favors, at many times, video from an algorithm perspective. So if you're out there putting your message, refining it, maybe doing different versions of 
different things that you might be saying, not only are you building yourself as a speaker, but you're setting yourself up for individuals to hear. I've spoken to groups as far away as Ecuador. Why? Because they saw my material on LinkedIn and had to have Scott Mason speaking before him. It works. So let's dive into the LinkedIn video thing a little bit, Scott, because that isn't something that has been really talked about on the show much. So obviously you recommend highly that speakers use video on LinkedIn to attract mm -hmm. potential audiences. So what are some tips for success for a video being a good video on LinkedIn? Number one, consistency. Just being out there is step number one. You never know how your style or whatever may resonate with whomever. Number two, making sure that to the extent possible, you are producing video that is high quality. And by high quality, I mean one that conveys a message that is of value to a potential listener that is within your target demographic, not just that you like. Number three, that it always has a point or a lesson. Don't just tell a story and expect it to resonate. Number four, if I'm counting correct, make sure that your editing is tight. So people will stop watching after two or three seconds. When I'm putting a video out, I all, my process is I go out, I record multiple takes of everything. I then put together the best takes, but use the opportunity of mixing the various takes as a way to have jump cuts or different backgrounds or all sorts of other tricks to keep the viewer engaged um, and have them wondering what's going to happen next. And finally, make sure that you have closed captions because 70% of people don't even scroll through LinkedIn with their volume on. They may be doing it at work and they don't want the whole world to know that they're on LinkedIn, even if they are. Closed captions can help you get your message without um, having them scroll by you simply because they don't know what you're saying and you don't have those captions. Okay, so two follow-up questions on this subject. Number one, obviously consistency is critical with any type of marketing. So are you recommending daily, weekly, monthly? How, how consistent should consistent be? My recommendation is three to five times a week, to be honest. Now, you don't necessarily want three to five videos a week. You want to make sure that you have other content that relates to, relates to your speaking topic or presents you as a thought leader or expert in your field. So you can have quotes from your speeches, or you can have photos of you with a mic in your hand or in front of an audience that nonetheless convey to your target audience that you're a speaker. But in terms of video, which is so important because that shows who you are and how you present, uh, I would recommend at least least once a week. Record them all at once, maybe a set of five or seven, edit them, edit them, and then just get them out um, minimum once a week if you're just starting though. All right. So follow up question number two, Scott, what's the optimal length of a video in your opinion for LinkedIn? The shorter, the better. I keep mine under 60 seconds, no matter what. And Part of that is it may be helpful depending on who and what your audience is to cross post those videos and platforms like Instagram and TikTok that are popular cross post platforms have time limitations that they will put with regards to what your videos are. But again, thinking about the audience on LinkedIn, many times they can see the scroll uh, as to how long they have to watch your video. And if they're seeing an hour, 10 minutes, they've already moved on. 
I agree. I agree entirely. So, all right, let's roll back to your particular individual speaking journey. So how many years are we going back, Scott, till you got up on the actual stage for the first time and shared some type of message? Right about the time of the pandemic. It literally I'm was climbing, right man. when the pandemic came. To, wait, what'd you say? Great timing, man. <laughs> oh, I'm, story of my life, Brett. <laughs> it was a huge opportunity, though. In a way, it was the best thing that could have happened because I was forced to deal with the changing technology and the emergence of virtual speaking platforms. I might have resisted it. I might not have been prepared. But because I came up through that, I have that sort of flexibility, uh, which I feel is important to be successful in, in, in the speaking world right now anyway. So it was a true blessing for me. All right. So what do you do differently, if anything, Scott, between a virtual presentation and an in-person live event? First of all, I am very careful about how I present on video versus live. It might not be obvious during this conversation, but I've been told I have a very big personality. Now, when I'm live, particularly, you know, depending on the audience size and the setup and everything, especially when you consider the subject matter that I talk about or use as my allegory, Greek myths. I can be really big. Imagine Homer up there telling you the story of Orpheus or Achilles or any of these things and then breaking it down as an allegory. That that demands both the storyteller, educator persona, but also a massive thundering voice. And people expect that if you're going to hear a story involving gods and goddesses. Hmm. That being said, I can't do that on video. I have to really narrow the focus. But at the same time, Make sure that I am always interesting to the audience. You know, having done video videos yourself, people get bored very easily if you're just a talking head up there. Your voice modulation, looking at the camera, focusing on what you're saying as if that camera is a human being talking in front of you is pivotal. So part of what I believe one has to be as a speaker today is versatile. You can't just be Barbara Streisand or Madonna. You got to be them both. All right. I've got some other questions I want to ask you, Scott, but before we do, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Are you a business owner or entrepreneur who's had great success in the business world? And now you want to launch a speaking career to share your message with the world. If that's you, then listen up. 25-year speaking industry veteran Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. To pick up your copy, go to brettridgeway.com forward slash freebie. And we are back with the Spotlight on Speaking Show. My guest this episode is Scott Mason. So, Scott, you've done platform selling, obviously, in your, in your time. So... When you're on a stage, obviously in the platform selling world, success is largely largely measured in dollars and cents. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's a given. But if you're speaking to an audience where you're not selling from the platform or whatever, how do you measure if your message is really hit home? How do you determine if a speech has been successful if it's not a dollars and cents situation? First of all, 
even if it's not a dollars and cents situation, you can tell sometimes by how people react immediately afterwards. If you're surrounded by people that are asking you questions where everyone is want, is wanting to take your card, where your email list suddenly grows, I measure that as success. In addition, if you are using tools like Talkadot or whatever other platform you have, even if it's the organizer's uh, engagement tools, if it's a virtual uh, version of a platform speech, sometimes they will collect this data ratings of you and, and put that up on the internet for the world to see. That's how I really measure success. And then to what extent they want you back or to what extent they're having a conversation with you again, willing to give you a testimonial. If the person won't return your emails or your phone calls afterwards, uh, maybe that's a hint that it didn't go that well. Yeah. So one has to be able to have realistic metrics, and but one also has to be able to read a vibe. And, uh, you know, a lot of times the messages being sent may not be ones that you like, or they may be ones that you're are unexpectedly good. Uh, they might not be as concrete and tangible, but they are nonetheless real. All right, so let's get real now, Scott. So time to bury your soul a little bit here and maybe share a mistake you made in your speaking career that, Left you a little red-faced at the time, but a valuable lesson was learned, and it would be something you would highly advise aspiring speakers not to do. Yeah. Oh, humiliation. It's so painful, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> so, very early on, someone saw me speak, speak before a chamber of commerce or a, a networking group or something, and they invited me to speak before their local chamber of commerce. And I had not done a couple of things. First of all, I had not developed a clear differentiator for myself. And so from my perspective at that time, a lot of what made someone a effective and successful speaker was the ability to speak. As a former audience member, I was thinking, well, this person bored me to tears or not. So I had really focused on that. And with a lack of clear differentiator, I also had then a lack of clear call to action or a lack of clear takeaways. So I went on and on. The speech was beautiful. People were entertained, but I could see the organizer just, his facial expressions were exactly the ones that I was talking to you about a minute ago that are not necessarily dollars and cents, but they send a message. And it was interesting when I was done, he was like, okay, thank you. Bye. He didn't even bother to facilitate questions. And so really what I got from that analyzing it, thinking about it, I had entertained the audience. I had kept everyone riveted, but I had not met the speaker or the organizer's goals, which were to get those takeaways and the lack of differentiation had killed me. It killed me and kept me from getting gigs for a long time. Well, I have that differentiator now, and it makes all the difference in the world. So Scott, I want to give you a couple of minutes now to tell people a little bit more in depth about what it is that you do and how they can get involved in your world if they so choose. Thank you. So I, in addition to speaking, and as a support for my speaking, provide coaching for attorneys who are in one way or another unhappy in their careers and are looking to move to a level in which they feel connected, resilient, and creative 
in whatever their professional uh, life is. So it may be that they elevate into a leadership position. It may be that they transitioned into a different department in their law firm, or they may ultimately end up going into another career altogether. I coach people through that process. And I actually use Greek myths as the framework for my entire transformational process. And so when it comes to what I do, um, having people experience what I call professional freedom that way is really what I'm all about. The speeches take people on that same transformational journey and are always designed to give them uh, steps to help them along the way. Charisma is part of that, and so I have a separate sort of sub-practice uh, that is related to building your charisma, but that's folded within my larger program. And um, I love doing it. So when we were chatting before we went on air today, Scott, you mentioned you have a couple freebies or something that people can check out. What are those? Yes. Thank you. First of all, if you are an attorney or an executive of any sort, quite frankly, who is feeling like you're disconnected from your creativity, you're not resilient in your job, you are uh, just feeling stagnant. I have a free complimentary five-minute uh, professional freedom assessment. You can go to my website, myfreedomrocks.com. That's myfreedomrocks.com and download. In addition, if you follow me on my LinkedIn site, you will see at the top um, an ebook called Charismatic Olympian, which outlines the framework. If you go and follow me there, you can download that or you can contact me through my website or through DM on LinkedIn, and I'll also get you that freebie to that uh, ebook. By the way, it has some really, really cool and fun uh, illustrations of the gods and goddesses that will help you on your transformational journey. All right, awesome. Well, we'll make sure both those URLs appear in the show notes down below. So, Scott, any, any final words of wisdom for the aspiring speaker out there? Yes. In Greek myths, there's the story of Orpheus, whose wife died, found his charisma, and was able to convince the god of the dead to let her come back to life. But as Orpheus was taking her on their journey back to the upper world, the god of the dead had said, don't look back. Orpheus looked back and his wife disappeared. As an example of the metaphor, once you find what you love, particularly if you're speaking or if you're a speaker, and you're on your journey forward, there may be times in which you have doubts or fears. Don't be like Orpheus. Never, ever look back. All right, what an excellent metaphor. Well, Scott, I'm going to thank you so much for being my guest on this episode of the Spotlight on Speaking Show. I wish you the greatest of success as you continue your speaking career. And for all the listeners out there, thank you for joining me today. As always, I wish you the greatest of success in all that you do. And may this year be your greatest year yet. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. This has been the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway. Be sure to join us every week as we interview speaking industry pros and have them share their best tips for building a profitable speaking business. Until next week, thank you for tuning in and remember to visit our website at spotlightonspeaking.com so you can enjoy even more great episodes like this one. While you're here, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Spotlight on Speaking Show. Until then, our sincere best wishes to you for the greatest of success as you work to build your own profitable speaking business.